Hey, Gary. Yes? Hey, do you want to do a podcast with me where we explore core topics? Oh, fuck yeah! Yes! Hey, and let's call it Queer Nundrum. Oh my god, yes! Awesome! Please listen carefully. Hey, welcome to our show, Queer Nundrum! I'm your host, Holly Greystone. And I'm your other fabulous host, Gary M. Thorin Jr. <laughs> hey, Gary. Yes, I have, Holly. I have a weird, <laughs> I have a weird question for you. Uh, actually, I'm going to first tell you what happened that led to the question. I was doing poop scoop duty, and I was out walking around in my yard, and I was doing poop scoop duty, and I got a little poop stick and a little scoop thing, and I'm like doing my thing. And I saw what I thought was like an animal, like a very small animal, like a bird or maybe maybe a mouse or something turned inside out. And I was like, "This, th- what is this in the middle of my yard? I got my poop stick ready. And so I'm just going to clean it up with my little poop stick because I'm not going to touch it. As soon as I touch it, the entire thing disperses in several directions into the ground and it's gone. And I was like, okay, so this is not a dead animal. Turns out it was a blob of worms. Now, my weird question for you is, Gary, do you know whether or not worms mate? They don't. They are asexual. They do. They do? They do mate. They are asexual. They have both male-female parts, but they do, in fact, mate. And I basically interrupted a a worm orgy. Yeah. So you're in the cold shower to some some worms. No, thank you. (laughs) It was was weird. It was so weird. That's okay. Well, yeah, you know. I learned something new. I was like, I thought I would never. I it's not a question you think of, but it's like, you know, do they? You're like, I, not a sexual hermaphrodite, but um, I'm like, I don't know the answer to that question, and I would never have thought to ask that question. But yeah, they do. Um, they actually they lie next to each other with their nose and tails, almost looking like. They are tied up in a knot and they exchange their sperm through their a mucus ring. So yeah. you're saying that worms 69 to get pregnant. Yes. Okay. And cool. sometimes they are in the same general vicinity of one another. And that's why there was a little pile. And I feel bad because that was probably their only moment. And I don't know if I just ruined like a generation of worms, but I, it, I've never seen anything like it. And I was like, I don't want this in my yard. And so thinking it was like a, like a mouse or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, good morning. <laughs> I, I, yeah, sure. Yeah. Good, good, good morning. Let's okay. Uh, <laughs> on that note, on that um, note, I don't know what's going to follow after that. Life. <laughs> How's the rest of life? um let's see let's get away from worms anything else (laughs) no life's good um but do some training with the puppies and they're doing really good and i've done some like home improvement projects because that's kind of a fun thing to do when you have stuff you know you just need to kind of take a break um I, i do start a new job i start a new job on monday i'm really excited about it um, it was a really, I, I know I've talked about it before. It was just a really strange job market experience that I've, yeah. I've been in before. I've, I've never gone that long out of employment and, um, 
or have applied to so many jobs. It was really unusual. Um, and it's just because there's, because of COVID, there's been a lot of disruption in the market and, and it's just happens to be the timing. Um, but it was, but it was a weird experience and, but I'm excited. It's a, a local organization that I get to help support and, um, yeah, just really excited for that to start. So that starts up on Monday. Um, I get to have a lot more flexible schedule while still having, um, a lot of the things that I really enjoy about being in executive leadership. So i uh, excited about that, but I won't go into details as to, to who they are. Cause it's, um, just need to have a little bit of separation there for, for a bit. What it's, yeah, it's nobody else's business. So whatever. Yeah, it's nobody else's business. Uh-huh. Exactly. So yeah. Um, other than that campaigning is going really well. I met with, um, city staff just a couple of days ago. Um, uh, they, they're meeting with everybody, um, because all of us are potential candidates. And so there's, they were telling us what the potential schedule is for training. And we, I we had a really good Q and A. They just, they created an hour of space where you just ask any questions that you have, um, show you anything that you might want to be familiar with. And I got to meet additional people that work for our city and ask them some questions that uh, they would like to see, uh, from their leadership, from the city council and really good, really positive conversations and, um, went into, uh, a Q and a session that went extraordinarily well. I didn't realize like how well it went until, um, several people I hadn't had opportunity to meet yet came up to me and, and shared their feedback. And, um, from an unbiased source, it was, it was good feedback and yeah, it's, it's cranking up. It's getting there. Oh, that's no, that's really cool. I'm trying to remember when, when are the elections? I, I honestly so don't know. For Washington state, which, Washington yeah. state is actually pretty forward thinking on how they do their whole voting process. So Washington, st <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, Idaho. Um, <laughs> so they are, so in Washington state, the ballots will start going out on um, the 20th of October. So the, okay. the voter information is already out there. Um, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. I drank too much coffee. Um, they so they drop it on the 20th and then it takes a few days obviously for everything to get disseminated to everyone and then you could start as soon as you receive your ballot you can vote and turn it turn it in right away their final count is november 7th at six o'clock so you could go in person and vote if you don't if you haven't if you don't do it by mail or whatever you could go in and vote by person up until six o'clock, but your ballot has to be in the mail by five o'clock. And I didn't realize this, Gary, but Washington state, like all other states, if you sign your ballot different than how you registered, like if you did like a print name and then later you do a signature, they toss it. Yep. I didn't realize like how strict they are on that and if you don't if you don't use your like if you sign with a middle initial when you register but you don't it's questionable whether or not they'll accept it because there's still enough of your signature to verify and something some people are very strict like nope no middle initial it's gone yep. so i contacted the um county here to ask them like what my signature looks like and that's a strict pro process. You have to actually go in person to look at it. They won't tell you anything over the phone. And if you want to change your signature, let's say you decide you want to 
maybe have a neater signature or a middle initial, you can request a, a info card and they'll send it to you and you have to sign the name three times. And the, the reasons they do that is to make sure that one, you're the original signature from, they'll match like the, the characters to the first signature on file before they'll update it. I did not know that. I thought it was a pretty cool process. I just make sure mine's so indecipherable that nobody would, it would matter anyway. Actually, it makes me remember I have to go in uh, in next day or two I got a letter saying that that I needed to bring in person my address to prove I was living in Idaho. So I oh. for the voting. So even, oh. even they don't believe that you're in Idaho. They're shocked. Yeah. Well, and I think part of this is because Dean and I have moved around so much recently. They I think they just want some definite proof. Oh, sure. Yeah, you guys have moved a lot. Yeah. So. Hopefully not. The last time you move will be uh, two minutes closer to me. So I can see your beautiful, <laughs> I can see your beautiful face. <laughs> it's fun. It's it's weird. Where uh, honestly, as much as I, I mean, I really am liking Moscow more and more. So I don't. Uh, I, I yes, I don't like Idaho politics, but God, I really, I. And maybe you as a, a, if once you get in, you know, become the city council member, you'll make this better. But I think overall, Moscow has a better, I'm sorry, Pullman, a better community aspect to it. So I, I, I'm really enjoying that. I think part of it's just the physical layout is just better. It's a better. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't, I don't know about, I, I wouldn't agree on saying that it has necessarily a better community. Um, I think they're both pretty equal in that, in the sense that they're very welcoming, very friendly, very, there's a, a community centered mindset to it. The, the geography is definitely better in, in Moscow that allows for more of those gatherings. And um, when you go to a business, you walk out, you got, you could go right, left, forward or back and easily traverse to another section of buildings where in Pullman, you you step out, you either go left or right because you really it's all uphill and it's Your residential highway. or highway, right? And it's all residential. Oh, even even Moscow's has a highway going through it. You know, it's it's just a different layout in the and there is a lot of work going into a bypass, which would help the flow of traffic and and and, and community centered feelings. Um, but there's still there's just a lot of work to do in general that we've been wanting to do since the mid seventies. And I think we're going to have a good, good leadership um, in city council this, this next election cycle that'll hopefully help push that, make that happen. Uh, the last thing, and then let's move on to you, my friend, is I got to celebrate my third year anniversary. My wife and I went to pink. You can see a little, sh my graphic t-shirt yeah. here. Very cool, actually. Very cool. It is a really, yeah. Right. So. Huh? You got me a t-shirt, right? So, so. <laughs> it was uh I, I forgot it at the airport. It got it got the I had to bribe the security just to let me on the plane. No, I, okay. I didn't I didn't well, think about it, man. I'm sorry. You can order another one online for me. Okay, okay. I'll I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> I mean you do have a you do have a Christmas coming up. Anyway, um <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have a birthday coming up next month, so just keep that I mean, fun. <laughs> okay we'll do that so yeah it was it was good it was an amazing performance of course i got to see brandy carl who's out of seattle um just 
a really good overall performance. The venue is pretty cool. I'm a little pissed about the ADA accessibility. They wouldn't let any of the um, like transportations, like taxis and share rides to drop people off with mobility issues. They had, they dropped them all like down away from the gate. So once you got to the gate within the gate, amazing service, like the, the venue it's for the Raiders, the Raiders venue was on point for ADA accessibility. They're just very well organized, good coordination, but they won't like they get to the gate and they drop you, but you have to then walk across a four lane highway that's been blocked off by police, which is great. So you have to walk across a five lane highway into a parking lot down through this unlit path to another parking lot where all of these share rides are waiting to pick up their rides, but there's nobody coordinating it. There's one dude with airplane like signal things like you get to go next. And it's like, how is he supposed to find his ride out of 44,000 people that are standing on the edge of the road trying to find their rides. Like it just, and, and people nearly got hit. Nobody thankfully did, but they, it was just a real nightmare. I've seen people trip. There's people laying on the ground that because they, there was nowhere for them to sit. They were rubbing their knees. They were rubbing their backs. They had casts. They had, because you couldn't, you can't take your own wheelchair in. You have to use, oh, wow. you have to use their wheelchair and they take you and you, they have, they have a whole system, but you have to get to the gate somehow. Yeah. So there's a, just a little bit of a disconnect there. That I think they can improve it and, and help and help with it. And then we saw the Taylor Swift in theaters. The yeah. Taylor Swift. Oh my God. Wow. The entire theater was like wanting to jump up and dance. There's a whole group of people that actually did jump up and dance. But Taylor Swift for three hours nonstop goes through a NASA clothing change, NASCAR, excuse me, NASCAR clothing change so fast that by the time the light comes back up, it's been maybe 30 seconds and she's in a completely different outfit. It's just insane. But it was a really good performance. And I'm really glad I got to see that. And my wife just, just really, she loves Taylor Swift and it was really cute to watch her. And I, I mean, I, I, her music is okay. She's not my type of person, you know, not the type of music I like, but I appreciate her. I, I love how strong she is. And I, I do get pissed at people who do the hating on her because she's strong. So that, mm -hmm. that bit, so mm -hmm. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, I did. I, I learned a lot. Her genre of music, I didn't realize how much it changed over the years oh yeah and she thanked people she goes you know i've been doing this for this this long and i've been able to try out different genres and really explore my music style because you guys have let me you my yeah. fans have allowed me that and and i really appreciate it it's like a it was like seventy thousand people in the stadium that she was performing in and it was sold out it was oh, just yeah. just amazing anyway um yeah what so what's new with you it's been a minute since i've seen you well it's really it's it's been two weeks i mean so because we're doing this podcast every two weeks so i mean over zoom it's been about that time because we've actually seen each other anyway i am uh still we're uh getting into the nuts and bolts of the of the play we're uh rehearsing it's we've start full run throughs this next week Okay. I'm really happy with how well the cast is doing 
very happy. Oh, I love that. They're, they're really um, doing well with it. So I, I'm excited for that to go up. Mm -hmm. um, um, I'm back home now. I was, when at last podcast, I was still over at our friend Tracy. I know, but, we had a doggy date that we weren't able to connect on. I know. And it's weird. Uh, Tracy has a gorgeous house, but it's not home. So I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back in my home. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, and um, doing that, uh, working um, again, I, I'm enjoying, I, I enjoy where I work because it's a place where they ask my advice and then accept it you know, or, you know, listen to it and go from there with it. I, that doesn't happen all the time. You and I both know that. So yes. that's, I'm enjoying that, that tremendously. Um, the grandkids and the daughter are doing amazing. Um, Good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. My life is pretty boring right now. I'm pretty <laughs> good. Are you uh, still, are you still hitting the pool? I okay, so this is I haven't I didn't for some reason you would think being at Tracy's it would have made it easier for me, but because it's like right down the road. Yeah, and but once I got over there, everything stopped. So actually, believe it or not, Monday I'm starting up again on that where I I'd been doing really well, and then I went over to Tracy's and it just went to hell from there. So, and I miss that. It's I'm not really worried about you know it's not anything other than the fact just it helps keep me healthier, and so sure. I. I really, God, I love my swimming. So no, I haven't done that. So yes, I, I'm getting back to that starting tomorrow. Um, so, and it was too bad about, I, too bad about uh, WSU's loss yesterday. That was, that was Wow. Oh my God. It was brutal. Yeah. So that, that was too bad. Um, yeah. U of I actually for their homecoming, they lost, but only by two points. So I was, Which, you know, Hey, if you're going to lose. But yeah. yeah, oh, poor, yeah, WSU got spanked hard. And I just worry, because I think this, I mean, it's the last one that they really stood a good chance of winning. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but so I hope that doesn't ruin the chances after, because the Pac-12 basically is non-existent starting next year. So I yeah. worry about that. So, well, I know hopefully, yeah. hopefully they'll, they'll go into another conference. I mean, it's not the Pac-12 isn't like the say-all be-all. I know it was sold and packaged that way, but they're going to another conference. My concern is these athletes are students, and they have worked hard, tirelessly hard at their skill set to get a college, you know, college paid for while yeah. being a student athlete. And it's beyond our football and beyond our basketball. It's all the other sports. And those ones, they're mostly going to be impacted by this conference shift. Yeah, and, that's And it's just, it's not fair. And it's one of those things that you could see the writing on the wall a couple of years ago when we were making this huge push and redoing the football field. And we had cut programs at WSU to pay for certain things for the, for the sport programs. You could see that there was so much push for it, but there really wasn't. I in my from I, I in, I'm not on the board. I'm not the regents or anything like that. So I'm sure there's other reasons for it. But from an outsider perspective, it didn't seem like there was enough justified reason to for those expenditures to push like they did. 
And I, it feels like the adults in the conference, it feels like these adults in the conference couldn't agree. So they all packed up their toys and left and dissolved the, tw- the Pac-12. And, and then it, it affects all the children, our students, as a result of it. That's what it feels like. I don't know if well, it's true, but that's what it feels like. Um, I, because of knowing people, I, I know a little bit more than that, but I don't want to get into it on here because. No, it's, I, and we don't need to, cause we're not WCU and it's not, no. it's not a, it's not our podcast. No, um, it's not, it's not, I know we're not about sports and here we are, we're going off on sports. Go, no, but I, let's talk about uh prodigy. Star Trek Prodigy. Do you know what's up? Do you know what's new? Do you do? do, um, do? Excuse me. I tagged you in the Facebook post on it. I believe I did. Oh. I'm just saying, but yeah. Okay. Uh, excuse me. Do you so, want to get? Uh, do you want to deliver the news? No, go ahead. You're. You're. I think this is. I. I like it, but I think you love it. So I do. It's going to Netflix. Netflix has saved Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy, and Janeway's coming back. So yes, very excited. So what's what's okay? So that we, I, I got to go nerdish here for a minute. Oh, right, please do. What's really interesting about this is that so five years ago, you would have Netflix or whoever Netflix was the big one at that point saving network shows. You know, say okay, going to give this Lucifer like two more seasons or you know that kind of mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And now we have it's it's weird where we're the where we're going now into this future, and I can't wait to see where this goes, where one streaming service is saving a show from another streaming service. And I'm really curious, because especially Netflix, because Paramount Plus right now, you know, everything Star Trek is over there. And I mean, like, I remember talking to you about it. I really thought it was going to go to, like, Tubi or to... Right. One of those where they still had a connection to Paramount Plus, so I was really shocked that so this is going to be completely off brand for the Star Trek universe to now go to Netflix. So I'm just really curious where this is all going to lead, you know, and it may lead to nothing, but it just it's a fascinating change of events that I, I can't wait to see where it's going to go. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I got to go off another minute. I just read an article that said Netflix is now by the uh, 2025 is going to have two brick and mortar stores. What are they going to uh, have in there? It's not known yet. We it's, it's it's probably going to be more like products, you know, things like going off on stranger things and those kind of things. I'm curious Oh, like have. like merch, like show merch. Yeah, so Cuz so, they got rid of the whole uh, CD selection. Go. Yeah, so that's huh. going to be I, Yeah, so sorry that just that, that's going to see where that's going to go. So, um yeah, I'm super curious about that. Yeah, I know. It's like, of all things, I never would, that was one I never would have guessed we'd see you going, okay, so. <laughs> well, I mean, we already have Netflix, because uh, Dean and I have the Netflix where you get commercials, we want the cheapest options. So it's mm-hmm. weird. I mean, that that's, you know, it's going that direction now. So is, is my honey there? Yes, your honey's here. She's doing a... Uh... A coffee swap out. You just heard thudding on my table. Thank you, honey. I actually appreciate. Hear it. Oh, you didn't? Thank you, babe. Yeah, I she. Give, I. She's. Give, give her a kiss for oh, her. kisses, kisses from the Gary. Okay. I, goes, I ah, you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I texted her. I was like, "Could you bring me some more coffee?" And instead oh, of coming up and getting the coffee, the cup, she um, 
she swapped me out <laughs> yeah what a, what a sweet person honestly right. honestly we, i'm we a lucky probably, woman we should probably get into our actual podcast That'd fine i want to talk i want to talk all day long no okay, i'm just kidding we should so, get into we should get into our you podcast want to talk about your news stuff or yeah i do um oops i almost exited out of our show that's <laughs> not what i want to do yeah well fine fuck you i'm out of <laughs> I'm done. I know, done. right? <laughs> so on, um, so I know that this the the march on Washington took place over the summer, but there was an article that was written uh, just a few days ago, uh, and and it kind of goes to something we've talked about on our show. Um, so this is uh, this is from Out News. So this is part of the NBC uh, Out um, um, news outlet that they have. So uh, over the summer, we had the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. So that took place over the summer. And a few of the Black queer advocates spoke passionately about the main program that, so there's a program where they put the, when they do this march, there's an organization just like Pride, right? Across any, actually anywhere. There's some sort of program. Like we have um, certain performers or guest speakers um, DJs, vendors, and things like that. So there's a program that people put together. Um, and in this case, for the March on Washington, there was an ongoing, and it continues to be the case in many of our Pride celebrations, but a struggle for LGBTQ rights. And in particular, how it impacts people who are Black, trans, and Black and trans. And we're see, you know, they're seeing in this particular conversation, um, Hope Gazelle. Um, she was taught. So, if you don't know who Miss Gazelle is, she is the communications director for the GSA Network, which is a nonprofit that helps students form gay straight alliance clubs at schools. So she was talking about how um, event programmings like like this have historically marginalized the queer. The black, the black queer activists and all civil rights movements, but also in these in, in the LGBTQ movements. And in particular, note this last summer, um, in the program, they had queer, black queer individuals as guest speakers at the very, very beginning, like early on the on on the stage when there's barely anybody in the audience. Like the people hadn't even finished trickling in yet. So there's like a very scarce population of people out there and these individuals were only scheduled at the beginning they weren't scheduled throughout and that has been going on for so long that people have finally just started pushing back and just saying that we need to have more progress made in this area where this is being shared across you know either we wait to have these programs start until the people are there or we spread it out over over the time that this event is going on and so um, she she spoke very passionately about that. And we've talked about it on our show and and how, um, you know, with the with the Stonewall riots being started by transgender pe people of color and then having this this pride event happening every year over a course of time, we've had we've seen transgender people of color kind of get pushed to the back because people were afraid of how it would look and we want to look normal to the straight people so that we could get more rights. And, you know, this, this hiding in plain sight kind of mentality because of this, this fear of being very 
um, I don't know the right word is, but very flashy or showy or colorful or boisterous or whatever. And people just want, there are people that feel like if we just look like normal, normal air quotes here, normal straight people that our queer rights would be accepted. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a false thinking. Um, and it has caused, I think it's causing more harm than they intend to. And so, um, there's an, there's a group, uh, of, of black queer activists that are working on this and, and addressing this for the next year. And it's good. And they have noted it has gotten better over the years, but it, was, it continues to be a problem, especially in this day where we're seeing a lot of queer rights, um, be, be un, uh, under attack by different state governments, which is really unfortunate. Um, so despite all of that happening, um, the California Governor Newsom did appoint a new senator uh, to replace the seat of Diane Feinstein, who recently passed. And this month, this is a individual who is a black, openly lesbian senator. And this is Senator Butler, and she has recently been appointed. So congratulations to her. Really excited to see what she does for California. Um, do you have anything before I move on to my next piece? The only thing I want to add yeah. a little something on that, just mainly, it's funny that you mentioned about the, talking about the people of color um, on my on my Twitter page, I, I will profile people uh, of the queer population. Inevitably, whenever I do a person of color, uh, it is, I, there are plenty of times where I get no likes at all or not even comments where it's just like, it's like, it goes out there to the void of space. And whenever I do, it's funny, whenever I, almost always, if you look at it, whenever I do a male, white male, I get the most, I get the most, responses get the most likes on it really interesting that you said that because miss gazelle says on top of being black and queer we have to also then distinguish what it means to be queer in a world that thinks queerness is adjacent to whiteness and that queerness saves you from racism and it does not Nope. So it's very uh, interesting. What I I pulled that quote out specifically because I it just struck me that that is a thought that people have that I just would never put I would never have considered that. And That's, I it, I think it's the fact that we we really are at a point where it's not. I honestly think most of us don't we we don't do it on purpose. It's just been ingrained in us for so long now that that gay or queer, the first thing you, a lot of the straight, the quote unquote straight population thinks of is a gay white male. I, I think that's just where it, it's come now because, and it's just because everything, and it's it's sad, but I think we're, we're trying to make, I think people are making strides to make that. Do you think that it's, because you said it's been going on for so long. Do you think yeah. that perhaps it is the, the stepping stone of you know back in back in the day in TV you couldn't you couldn't have both feet on the bed in a, in a scene right you had to have one foot on the ground and you had there was like certain rules you couldn't be too sexual you couldn't show too much skin or whatever well, you know, that was TV and movies that wasn't just TV it was movies you could actually have a double bed 
but you could only you always had to have one foot on the ground tv it was twin beds you know so for the longest time so right and um, do you think that this is just like the in that in that in light of that do you think it's just kind of like the gateway to say well it's normal here look at this white guy he's queer yeah yeah and then shift over and like but also these people are queer so it's okay too do you think it's that kind of idea or yeah i think so that it's i mean because i mean you go back okay so using tv as a great example you go back to the 1950s if if a alien were to have picked up our television sets looked at the programs from that time frame it was literally uh a man and woman married with you know 2.5 kids white that's all you saw and if you saw a person of color usually it was an african-american and usually they're very much in a servant's kind of role and they were uh portrayed as being stupid you know or less educated um and so we've come forward from that so yeah if you take it from that that it's so easy then that that's such a mindset going on that it's taken this long, sadly, to the point where I think overall people of color are at least considered the same, you know, at least considered the same intellectually as a white person. Um, and I think it's getting better with the people who are queer, but it just it made it easier for the for the middle American white person to say, okay, fine, there are gay people out there, but they're white, you know, they're white males, you know, because it was easier. You, you saw some, at least something that goes, all right, that's kind of what I see on TV. I can kind of accept this. Um, and it's, if you even look at uh, the, like, if you look at when you saw uh, queer people of color at all in, the like say the seventies, you saw very and then with white males too in particular, but they were they were very effeminate. But even more so with with the African American male, you look and if you saw somebody like that, they were, I mean they they were just effeminate. That was it. Or if you saw a woman, I don't even know if you ever saw a woman of color who was queer. I mean, I, I in my mind, I can't even, the only one, I can think of one character that I saw, and she was Italian. She wasn't even, you know, so, and that was on the series. So, so I, you know, so that's where it is. I think we're slowly getting there. I think it's getting better because we're talking about it more, but it's still no way. We're not even close yeah. to I just, it never dawned on me because it's not something I experienced as a white woman. I don't experience those things. And so when I, I when I read this about, um, in this article, I was just like, how, like, it just struck me as like, oh my God, that is, I can see how that is going. I can see how that is happening. Oh, yeah. And it's, now it's like, what, now that I have that knowledge, it's like, what is there I can do to do about it? Well, one is to talk about it um, yeah. and continue to sit with it and learn from it. But anyway, I just, I, I wanted to get your, your take on that. Yeah, and then, sorry. no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, what just a few days ago uh was the 25th anniversary of matthew shepherd's um yeah. murder and we've talked about hit him on our podcast um president biden honors um uh, mr shepherd um and he continues in in biden continues to, to condemn the anti-lgbtq violence and on this 25th anniversary of shepherd's death president biden um 
he just he took he basically just took a hard stance in condemning the anti-LGBT violence and said that the work to combat such attacks is far from finished, which we're seeing that across like we were we've talked about this a couple of times in our podcast about how we have numerous states across the country that are um they're just enacting these these laws that are I, they're against the freedom of speech. There's, they're against, um, they're just against our civil rights and every state has to, has to fight on this. And, um, one of the things that we have to do is to criminalize the, the violence against the queer community as a hate crime. And Wyoming and South Carolina are the last two states that do not have a law allowing for additional penalties for hate motivated crimes as it relates to the queer community, which is the state of Wyoming is where um, this young man was murdered 25 years ago. And the two people that killed him are sentenced to life in prison on first degree murder, but they were never charged with the hate crime because there is no law, no white, no law within Wyoming that allows for that, which is, I understand these people have a life sentence and, and there's some justice in that. And if these individuals have been committing other hate crimes, just saying things or doing things before it got to the point of killing somebody, they would have been charged earlier by their laws well before it got to this point. And he could very well be alive today if these individuals have been held accountable to their actions. But because those laws don't exist, you can't take... You could try to take action, but it's really hard. But once those laws start to pass, then people have a a, a, a platform, as it were, in in a court of law to advocate for their rights. You know that that's what we fight for, right? We fight that for civil rights, right? We fight that for every movement forward as a society. We put these laws out there to to advocate for ourselves. And this is, I mean, this is two states, granted. However. This is just a, a a point on a bigger a bigger conversation that we need to be having. Um, so it's I didn't realize it's been 25 years. Um, it feels like it was just you know maybe 10, 15 years ago, but um, it's only been 25 years. It's just crazy. Anyway, uh, moving on. Those of you who know who the the show uh, Doctor Who. Um, Russell T. Davis uh, says that he is absolutely sticking to his view that gay actors should be cast by gay characters. <laughs> I know, I know that you and I have gone back and forth on that, um, but this, I, I did not know that this was, like, this was a conversation within the Doctor Who um, realm. So I've got to do some little bit of research on this, but this is in the PinkNews.com and. Um, yeah, I'm very curious. Do you happen to know anything about this at all? Or well, just that it's it's an ongoing, as with almost all shows where they're talking about some queer character, it's an ongoing thing on uh -huh. all on all of them. And well, you, yeah, I mean, it's something that right. I, I honestly, again, like I've said before, I believe that. If it's two people, one's queer, one's straight, and the queer person's a better choice, pick them. But if the director feels the straight person's better to play the queer role. So it's yeah. a hard 
it's, it, it's hard. I, I, yeah. I get where there's a point where we have to make sure, again, this is that, you know. But I also think that we're at a point too where people who identify as queer have entered into acting more so like and have gotten better representation and experience and training than maybe years past because it because things have progressed even though we feel like it's being it's regressing but generally speaking over the last 10 15 years we've i feel like we've opened the we've knocked down some of these these walls as it were for people of the queer community to really step into the light and learn and develop their their acting skills to the point that I think we could have a fair amount of queer actors playing queer parts. I don't know if that was necessarily the case in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or even in the early 2000s, but certainly at this point, I think I think our directors have more of an option on the on the table, as it were. And I just again, I think the problem is that if you if you do that, you're pigeonholing these queer mm -hmm. actors to do mm -hmm. queer parts and they so, and many don't want to be some do but yeah. then some don't so that that's my own and again it's such a it's it's an issue that i'm glad we're able to discuss about so mm -hmm. we'll see what goes um well it, and i'm sorry you're gonna i'm gonna go off again just for a minute okay <laughs> uh right now two of my favorite shows are good omens and our flag means death love these two shows great uh queer representation on both of them the four leads are all played by straight actors and they're and so it's interesting that there's a part of me going oh you know th this could have maybe a you know a queer actor or two could have gotten these parts so but i love the shows mm -hmm. so it's, it's interesting that you know it, that we have those two things going on where and they're both very believable that's like oh maybe that could have gone to gone to a, a queer character but anyway that's just you know so anyway Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it is a conversation, right? And I'm glad yeah. that we could have the conversation. Um, so we were talking earlier about laws across the states. Um, Montana is celebrating right now. Many of the LGBTQ plus uh, folks in Montana, in Montana are celebrating. It's a brief win, but when nonetheless, when the judge continues to deny uh, this new there's a new law that the state's trying to that people in the state are trying to pass but the judge says that it goes against the freedom of speech and it particularly is targeting the the drag community and the judge says nope uh the says no evidence before the court indicates that minors face any harm for drag related events or any other speech or expression critical to gender norms um just affirming that <laughs> this isn't this isn't a real fear and the judge shut it down. He goes, nope, I'm not letting this law pass. And so it's called the Montana Drag Ban. I'll drop it in our notes for you guys uh, to, to look at, to look into it a little bit more if you want. This is also, sorry, I'm hitting my computer here. Um, this is also from pinknews.com. But it's this is where it's at. You know, there's these local communities coming together and fighting for their rights and using the freedom of speech and using other laws that are out there to defend themselves and protect their rights as a queer community and not allowing for these legislators to other them out into these other categories and, and, and accuse them of being criminals just because they're drag, like they're really impacting your children. Really? But the, you know, we could go into this whole other conversation. Oh, yeah. and, 
it just gets yeah i get upset about that all the time it's like this is terrible um so i'm gonna because we've kind of gone a little bit long i'm gonna drop i'm gonna drop some additional uh news remarks uh there's a there's some stuff going on in poland where there's they're in the middle of a new election cycle and there are uh politicians that are running that are anti-lgbtq and there are uh, politicians obviously in support of that and there is concern that some of these politicians will get into office and start enacting laws against the queer community uh the queer community interestingly is using what we call we call queer baiting here they call it pink dollar um they're using the they're using numbers because poland is is centered to be one of the european's like central bank areas and they're using numbers in their favors. Like you have over 2 million people in Poland alone that are queer individuals and, and all the people that support the queer community. And that amounts to $32 million a year. And that's just within this one sector. Imagine how much more money we can generate as a community if we continue to be a safe and affirming LGBTQ community. So. It's a very interesting discussion. So I'm going to drop the link to, to this article in our notes below. Um, and then there's, we've talked about this in a, in an earlier show when the laws passed, um, in, oh my gosh, was the, uh, in U- Uganda. Um, it was probably a year ago we talked about this and then it's the, one of the world's harshest anti-homosexuality laws. If you are caught, it's life in prison or, um, you're, or, or killed. If you're caught supporting them, it's 20 years. You're caught renting to them, seven years. You fail to report any set homosexuality activity. It's it's like some hard. I mean, it's really really harsh. And there's there are people all over um, the country that are seeking shelter and safety. The police hunt them down. There's just really no feeling of safety of where they can go. Um, and it's just and people are forced whether they want to or not, they are forced to report any homosexual activity because if it comes out that they didn't, they could be, they could be detained, which is, it's just, this is neighbor turn on neighbor by, by using a law. So I'm going to drop uh, that into the, um, our notes below. And that's out of the ABC news um, website as well. So I'm going to stop there and turn it over to you, my friend, because I think you're going to end this up with something pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah, actually, um, today I'm, I'm going to my notes here, Smith, so I'm not, so, uh, today we're going to be talking about a director. You. Um, that has, uh, not gotten a lot of recognition and I think deserves recognition. She is a director who worked in the late her big time working was in the late 1920s and early 1930s mm-hmm. uh and i'm gonna i had never heard of her i'm gonna i know for sure you haven't heard of her because you, you don't know this, maybe i have <laughs> okay yeah um, i'm gonna surprise you one of these days and you're gonna be like oh my gosh yes yeah very possibly and i i would be so happy with that you know that would be <laughs> great um her name is dorothy Arzner. Um, she is, uh, she worked from, like I said, silent film era to the golden age of Hollywood. 
Dorothy Arjun's contributions to cinema are nothing short of remarkable. She wasn't just a director, she was a trailblazer, a visionary, and an icon for both women and the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so she was born in California, San Francisco in 1897. Yeah, I'm gonna say I don't know her. I mean, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even oh, yeah. around for, you know, a little less than a hundred years. Oh yeah, no, she, <laughs> oh, a oh, little, yeah, so. <laughs> a, little, a little less. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dorothy's journey into the film industry was an unexpected one. She started as a stenographer at Famous Players Lasky, a company that would later become Paramount Pictures. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, however, her um, innate talent and determination soon propelled her into the heart of the film industry. She began as a script girl. I love that title, script girl. Script girl. Yeah. I want to I be a script girl. <laughs> you can be for me, okay? Okay. And eventually discovered her true passion in film editing, setting the stage for her future as a groundbreaking director. So I find that interesting. First of all, I mean, she really, I mean, talk about climbing climbing up the ladder. Um, Dorothy's directorial career took off during the silent film era. In 1927, so right before the silent era ended, she directed her first feature film, Fashions for Women. Right from the start, Arzner's unique directorial style and innovative approach set her apart. She became one of the first female directors in Hollywood, a remarkable achievement industry largely dominated by men. But it wasn't just her gender that made her stand out. Arzner was, had a natural gift for storytelling and the ability to capture the subtleties of human emotions. Her films often featured strong, independent women, a theme that would become her trademark. The transition from silent films to talkies, which talkies. you now know what it means. <laughs> I, do, I do now know what this means. Was a significant challenge for many directors and studios, but not for Dorothy. In fact, she played a crucial role in advancing sound technology and cinema. Her 1920 film, The Wild Party, is often credited as one of the first feature films to use a boom microphone for sound recording on a set. Really? A groundbreaking moment in cinema cinematic history. Um, I'm assuming you know what a boom microphone is. I I'm do, I most do. people do. Yeah. Um, it's basically the microphone that hangs from down below, you know, from up above so that you're, you're, it hangs down and gets and it, it's it, more mobile I, th I think more people know what it is it, by the description maybe not by the name yeah because we kind of see it and we see it in in media and, sh and stuff like that but oh, yeah. yeah yeah so oh, wow. she's okay. literally the um up in she and they she really is one of she is the first director who truly used this um to follow actresses actresses around because that's me who she did it for the first one she did for was Clara Bow, who was uh, the 1920s It Girl. She was like the Marilyn Monroe of her time frame. Um, That's crazy. I know. So um, one of the highlights of Dorothy's career was her collaboration with the iconic Catherine Hepburn and Christopher Strong in 1933. The film tells the story of a daring aviator who defies social expectations, engages in a tumultuous affair. Christopher Strong not only showcases Arjuna's directorial talent, but also addresses themes of female empowerment and nonconformity. What they really mean by that in this movie is that um, 
she wore pants in this movie. Oh okay, my so. gosh, I can't believe she wore pants. And she she through part of the movie tries to act she she tries to pass as a man so she can get farther in the industry as being being a pilot. Um so that's and sadly the movie was a box office bomb. They they talk really? about it now as a great groundbreaking movie and it's looked at better, but at the time it 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 was a box office bomb. Oh. Um, Arzner and Catherine Hepburn had a dynamic working relationship. Hepburn, known for her strong-willed, independent characters, found in Arzner's a director who could bring out her best performances. Their partnership produced films that shattered traditional gender roles and celebrated the strength and complexity of women. She was also an openly lesbian pioneer. One of the most remarkable aspects of Dorothy Arzner's life and career was her openness about her lesbian identity. A bold stance in error when LGBTQ plus individuals face discrimination and persecution. In an industry characterized by uh, by uh, being um, conservative and conforming, Arzner lived her life authentically. Her queer identity and her strong long-term relationship with choreographer Marion Morgan became an intrinsic part of her narrative. Dorothy Arzner's challenged traditional gender norms not only through her films, but also in her personal style. She often wore tailored suits and ties, making a bold statement about her commitment to living a life on her own terms. My girl. Arzner became an icon of the LBGTQ community, inspiring others to live openly and authentically in a society that often stifled individuality. Dorothy Eisner's legacy continues to resonate in the film industry and beyond. Her pioneering spirit and commitment to female empowerment and LGBTQ plus advocacy have left an enduring mark on cinema. Arzner helped pave the way to future generations of female directors breaking through barriers that were once considered insurmountable. Moreover, her openness about her lesbian identity serves as a beacon of hope for LGBTQ plus individuals in and outside of the entertainment industry. She stands as a testament to the importance of living authentically and challenging societal norms, inspiring countless people to do the same. Um, I'm going cutie? through. I'm trying to. I'm going through and trying to get down more because we we're we're running long. So, um, she worked with besides uh, Catherine Hepburn. She worked with Lucille Ball. Who, if people don't know, I know everybody knows who Lucille Ball is. I know you even know who Lucille Ball is. I, I do. But um, the the two things about Lucille Ball, which is great, is she was a big supporter of of queer people, big supporter. She she would uh, use them mainly behind the scene things, but she would use them as much as humanly possible. She was friends with a lot of queer men, um, and she's also I, I'm assuming you know this one too because you're a nerd. But she's the one who uh, approved. Star Trek being filmed, it was it was on it started off on her lot Desilu Productions. Mm -hmm. So she was a so she's the one who helped get uh, Star Trek going the springboard to Star Trek. So I just thought it was yeah. like yeah, it's a, yeah, um, women rule, yeah. And um, she she was also a, you know she was a a very tough lady. So I have a lot of respect for her from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Um. The partnership between Dorothy Arzner and Marion 
Morgan was a dynamic blend of talent and innovation. Arthur's skills as director and storyteller complemented Morgan's mastery of movement expression. Together, they created a unique creative synergy that left an indelible mark on the world of entertainment. I'm trying to skip around here. Well, uh, so, I, I know we ran a little long, but that, no, that's uh, okay. no, this is fascinating. I, while, while you're talking, I've been looking up some pictures and some information. I was like, wow, she, I mean, she was a cutie and Oh yeah, no, she did um, a lot. She did. Um, I I think that really I I I think that kind of covers it. Um, she uh, was like again the big thing. She was a big supporter of strong women. She liked to make movies that way. She was the only woman um, until nineteen forty. I'm trying to find it in my notes, but I think it was nineteen forty seven. She was the only woman who was actually as a woman director, which isn't entirely true. I found out um, Luella Parsons' daughter, who I can't remember her name now, was also just some director in that time period. There are a couple other ones, but she was by far the most prolific. Um, yeah. And after she left, uh, left doing movies, because really, obviously, it wasn't that she did it on, on her own. The movies kind of dried up for her. They stopped using her as as it got to the more the 1950s, more conservative time frame, um, that kind of stuff just dried up for her. So she went on mm -hmm. to become a, a big supporter in the LGBTQ plus community and basically until she died. My feeling, this is totally my feeling, I'm not uh -huh. saying, I, I think that if maybe, um, and who knows, if she were alive today, I'm, Gonna guess there might have she she might more identified as trans just from things I read, but I don't know. That's just my feeling. I I would have no clue because I don't know her. I never did know True. her. True. True. It's hard to know her. because I yeah. that really wasn't. I mean, it was barely even a, you were barely even allowed to consider yeah. yourself gay and live and explore that. So, yeah, yeah and no. just I I this she's very interesting. Wow, oh, she very had a very interesting life. Again, I love the fact like with I. Uh, talking like last time about billy hayes lived her life openly mm -hmm. I, I mean even more so openly. that's why um when i found out about her she's one of them i did on uh, twitter a little bit ago on a on a profile and sadly when you look up all the information i looked up on her it was almost the exact same stuff every place i looked it wasn't like there was this big yeah no there's not this they need to do a a somebody needs to do a book on her or do a really good documentary on her because she, from everything I'm reading, had a really fascinating life. Yeah. And the fact that I, she basically said, fuck you to everybody, just did what she wanted to. I love that. So, I, yeah, I was like, because I just scanned through a couple of articles um, while you were talking just now. And, and it's all basically this it's like someone just copied what they, what was written by somebody else and just put it into their article and so on and so forth. And yeah. Yeah, it I think too it, bad. I mean, it, so it would be interesting to have a little bit more dive on her. Yeah, and so I'm, I, I'm doing more of the research on her, and if I find out more, I, I will be probably doing another one on her, just because I, I found her, so fascinating. I'm really enjoying looking up and finding about about these early pioneers, you know, in the inter, and their entertainment industry for me, but mm -hmm. just these people who really tried to live as openly as they could during that time frame and mm -hmm. the lavender scare never scared her you know she just said well fuck you and still did what she wanted to so mm -hmm. um 
I think a really, she would have been somebody who I would have loved to have met, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I would have loved to have known. So that was, you know, and that I, was, you, I liked what you said about her directing style. That's, that's kind yeah. of where my style is too. It's these, you know, capturing these moments and I would like to know a little bit more too. So I would, I personally would like to hear what you find out. I'm also going to do a little bit of reading on, on my own too. So Thank you again for sharing another icon with us. I appreciate that. Well, and I'm going to try to, as much as I can on this, what we're kind of talking about before is that trying to do, again, because I tend to go towards the the white gay male because I'm a white gay male. I really am going to try to as much as I can. And Holly, if I'm not doing enough, please call me out to do to do, uh, to do do a, a queer male, then do a queer queer female than try to do a queer person of color or a queer female well, we have we've done a few i mean you have oh, no. little richard and uh what was the 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 one before that i'll have to look at my notes but we've i mean we've only just started this new paradigm that we're doing oh and i'm just talking about just in the past so i just want to make sure that oh, I'm trying okay. to, that's all yes yeah. so, no i really yeah, 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 yeah. i i want to try to make sure that that there it's a note that people know others and there will be some time periods where we've talked about this that i i might end up doing some more depressing stories like i almost it was a really close call i almost wanted to do profile massey shepherd which you did which was great i was going to do a deep dive into him but I thought, no i don't want to he makes it make it's so sad and i would end up fucking crying through most of it so mm-hmm. i decided one mm-hmm. so um so whenever I if I do one whenever I do a surprise one this time get, I will let you know it's going to be a little bit sadder so you might want to make sure you've got to <laughs> balance out the news yeah <laughs> so. for sure I'm still trying to find my stride in that department I'm still not quite filling it um, but that's what I, I love about uh, thank you I appreciate it uh, that's what I love about our podcast is we get to try different things to kind of find our niche and and kind of meet our audience where they where they are and. So I appreciate that we have that opportunity to to do that. So I, but again, I appreciate you finding yet another icon to share. And this one was pretty cool. I, one, of course, I did not know you were right. <laughs> again, if you knew, I would have been really shocked. I'm going to guess Desiree does not know who she is. You know what I mean? It's something mm-hmm. that Desiree, who is one of the few people I think could challenge me on, on this kind of stuff, and I doubt she knows who she is. So. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, no, my friend. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. And I know we're getting ready to end it, which is great. The one thing I forgot to say earlier when we were doing our thing is it's it's just because I'm I'm so happy about it is I'm up over 10,000 people on Twitter now. So I have over 10,000 Can you call it Twitter? Is it still called Twitter when it's got a giant obnoxious X on it? I don't care what I deleted the app. I deleted the app. I just couldn't. I'm like, nope. And I will stick with it until... This I I kept thinking I was gonna leave it. I'm gonna stick with it till the bitter end, just because I. First of all, it's a great way. Um, whenever I post on Twitter mm-hmm. about our podcast, first off, we actually we get hits on our 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 podcast. So, business wise, I want to keep it going. But yeah. I I have I have found granted just over Twitter, but some people who I really like to connect with over Twitter. Sure. So, and you were always moment. bigger, big on using Twitter than I was to begin with. Yeah, so so, so yeah, I'll stick with it. But anyway, so that was all. Okay. <laughs> all 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the show. We look forward to being back in your ear shortly. And until next time, be well. And be queer, you fabulous motherfuckers. Thank you for connecting with us on this week's Conundrum. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Quernundrum Podcast. And email us at Quernundrum at Quernundrum.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Until then, peace and be well. And be queer. <laughs>